This is episode number 335, The Paradox of Expectations, Pressure, and Comparison. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about high performance and well-being, and I'm your host, Sonia. And if you're new around here, I am a world and multi-time national champion in mountain biking, and I still race professionally. I'm a health and mental performance coach, a writer, a mom of two little kids, and I own my own business. And if you're not new around here, welcome. I'm so glad that you're back, and I'm so grateful that you are a part of this awesome community and that we get to learn and grow together. When it comes to well-being and performance, our health is something that is of utmost importance, and there are many factors that impact our health. That's why I wanted to tell you about Prevenix. Prevenix's mission is to create health, and I love all of their products. Part of the reason that I love Prevenix is the science, clinical data, and manufacturing precision so that I can trust what is in every single product. But what really sold me is all of the health benefits that I've been experiencing since switching to taking Prevenix's products. And one of the products I wanted to tell you about today is the Immune Health Plus. If you have little kids or have had little kids in the past, you know that they get sick all the time. And that means that you get sick all the time. There is nothing more frustrating than putting in all of this work in your workouts and in your life only to get sick and have to stop. And then it takes all of this extra energy to build momentum again. That's why I take Immune Health Plus because it prevents me from getting sick as often. And when I do get sick, it doesn't last as long. That means that I can do a good job on podcasts like these and spend more time training for my events without having to backstep. And that's why I take it every single day. So what's in this stuff and why does it work? Well, it's powered by beta-glucans, which are natural defenders that boost the immune system by optimizing its response to viruses, pathogens, and infections. And it also has some key ingredients that you might recognize when you're looking at the bottle, like an organic mushroom blend like maitake, shiitake, and reishi mushrooms. And it's also supercharged with things like elderberry fruit extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and a few more other ingredients. This primes your immune cells to respond rapidly whenever a virus or pathogen enters your body. Taking Immune Health Plus is a game changer for me and will continue to do so, especially as my kids start school, as I start racing again when the season comes around, and knowing that I'm doing all of the right things to help me stay as healthy as possible makes me feel a lot better. What's more is that all of their products are pharmaceutical grade and potency is guaranteed. And they also have a 30-day back money guarantee so that if you don't feel the actual benefits, and I'm sure that you will, you get a full refund, no questions asked. So there's no reason why you shouldn't try this and start experiencing the benefits just like I am. So I want to strongly encourage you to try Prevenix's Immune Health Plus and also pick up their multivitamin. And you can get 15% off your first order by using the code SONYA15 at checkout at Prevenix.com. That is S-O-N-Y-A-15 and Prevenex.com is P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. And it's also linked up in the show notes. If you have started taking Prevenex, I'd love to hear your experience and your testimonials because it's always so cool to see how creating health expands to all of my listeners just like you. All right, so on to today's topic. And I have been saving this one for a while because I knew that tackling it would take a really long time. And it's so funny. It always takes so much longer than I think whenever I start planning out these podcasts and doing the research for them. And I tend to get obsessed and go down the rabbit hole and it takes over my life. So I'm really excited to get this episode out because I think there is a lot of value. There's a lot of information to be had. 
And there's even more that I want to dive into around expectations. I wanted to give you a quick heads up that I am accepting a couple of new clients for both my health and mental performance coaching practice. Health coaching covers a myriad of topics, but primarily it's about helping you execute your goals. And a lot of times goals are this nebulous thing in our mind that we want to do, and we have a hard time getting from point A to point B. And that's what I help people do. Health is a really broad term. It expands to compassionate self-awareness, daily rhythm and balance, movement, exercise and play, food and nourishment, environment, sleep and rest, relationships and community, mind-body connection, and spirit and soul. And most people spend a lot of time in all of those categories, assessing their lives, figuring out what changes they want to have made, and getting more clarity around what that looks like. And then we start walking down the path. My mental performance coaching is also pretty broad. We talk about goal setting and habits. We talk about how to have the right motivations and mindset. We talk about how to change your self-talk and be more optimistic. We also talk about confidence as it applies to sport, to business, and life. There's a lot of different things I can help you with. So if any of this is sounding like something you want to take a first step at, make sure you contact me Contact me on my website or you can go to my social media pages and contact me there as well. And again, my website is sonyalooney.com. Okay, so on to talking about the paradox of expectations, pressure, and comparison in sport and life. Expectations are so tricky. Our brains are prediction machines trying to solve for uncertainty. We don't like not knowing the future and our brain does everything it can to try to figure out what's going to happen next. Our expectations hold an immense amount of power over our happiness, satisfaction, and even our physiology. If we fail to meet expectations that are too high, we feel frustrated, disappointed, unhappy, and maybe even anxious. High expectations can also lead to crushing pressure and a decrease in motivation and performance. But if expectations are too low, we may be apathetic and unmotivated to take risks and try new things. Low expectations may leave our potential unrealized because we are too afraid to try. Additionally, actually meeting our expectations can also lead to dissatisfaction. Have you ever achieved a goal and felt empty? Well, therein lies the paradox. We need to have expectations, but how do you set realistic and appropriate expectations that provide enough stimulus for motivation and performance? but also enough space for happiness and life satisfaction. To further complicate matters, there are also the expectations of others and from others to join the party. And even more complicated still, as we achieve more things, our expectations shift. So first, let's define expectations and how they can quickly snowball out of control. So expectations are a hope or appraisal for how an outcome of a task is supposed to go. And the dictionary defines expectations as a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Expectations are further complicated by cultural norms, past experiences, comparison to other people, social media, our mindset, and even fear of other people's opinions. A negative relationship with expectations or continually continually failing to meet your expectations can lead to judgment, which leads to pressure, which leads to unhappiness and reduce motivation to go after that thing. Life satisfaction equals realistic expectations and psychological flexibility around them. And you might have heard this equation, which I've seen and displayed in different ways, but I've heard happiness equals reality divided by expectations. And I've heard that happiness equals reality minus expectations. So a lot of people are wrestling with this problem that expectations can cause unhappiness. Expectations can cause temporary happiness. They can also motivate us or demotivate us. 
So how do we have a good relationship with expectations? How do we set them? And how do we consider our expectations when it includes other people? Let's talk about the trajectory of expectations. So for simplicity's sake, I'm going to use sports. So imagine you're starting a new sport or activity. The pressure is low. The bar is low for most of us. And it's easy to have a curious beginner's mind. With low expectations and a beginner's mind comes freedom and joy. The problem is that when we get validation and see improvement, or somebody tells us that we're a prodigy at this, our brain moves the bar and now we expect more. When it comes to expectations and other people, the more we get to know someone or the deeper our relationship gets, the more we start to expect of that person. I mean, think about your spouse and all of the expectations that you have on them. The more we achieve or the closer we get to someone, the more our goalposts move. As I mentioned before, we may even feel dissatisfied even when we meet expectations. We might start feeling like we have to have our expectations exceeded in order to feel happy. What's left is empty achievement and struggling relationships. When it comes to our goals, we put happiness in the future and we put happiness on our expectations saying, I'll be happy when I achieve X or when I get X. I'll be happy when I lose 10 pounds. I'll be happy when I win a race. I'll be happy when I get that promotion. I'll be happy when I have kids. And the list goes on. And we do that thing, but then we don't feel happy. Well, this is called the arrival fallacy. And I've written about it at length if you want to learn more. And that's linked up in the show notes. Then there is even the case when someone is proficient at a lot of things and doesn't want to try something new because they already have expectations that are too high. So I'm alluding to what I said before of having a beginner's mind and having low pressure, but then some people don't even have low pressure when they're starting something new because they already have expectations that are too high. We've all heard, be brave enough to suck at something new. And this quote alludes to the fact that people even have high expectations for something that they've never even done before. The bottom line is we don't like to feel incompetent and people have different comfort levels with feeling incompetent or feeling like they suck and feeling like you suck, feeling incompetent, feeling frustrated. Well, that's all on the path to mastery. I did a short video about that on my social media on Instagram, and that's at Sonia Looney if you want to follow me there. When expectations aren't met repeatedly, our task or activity may no longer be fun and our brain shifts into protection mode to preserve our self-worth. How many times have you gone for a workout with an expectation in mind and then spent the rest of the workout beating yourself up because you couldn't meet those expectations? I've definitely been in that situation where I'm going to go on a ride and I think it's going to go a certain way and then it doesn't. And then I spend the whole rest of the ride wondering why, catastrophizing or even beating myself up about it when really I could have just accepted where I was at for the day and enjoyed the ride. Expectations are also tricky when you show up for a group activity and people in the group or team expect you to perform a certain way. What if you don't? Well, doubt, insecurity, intimidation, and fear abound, and maybe you stop showing up for group things because of that. What can we do about this paradox of expectations? How do you set expectations of yourself and others without causing undue pressure, stress, and threat? How do you strive for more while holding expectations and outcomes lightly? Should you set the bar low so you don't disappoint yourself and others? Or should you set the bar high so you stretch yourself? Therein lies the real paradox. The thing is, having high expectations isn't the problem. Ask any high performer and you can bet that they set the bar high. Having a thriving relationship with your expectation lies in the complex relationship you have with yourself, your mindset, and how you manage expectations and striving for achievements. There'll never be a solve to, well, now I feel better about this, but understanding yourself and having some tools in your pocket can help with this paradox. Henry David Thoreau said, the question is not what you look at, but how you look and whether you see. 
And doing the research for this article, my brain started hurting and I'm still thinking about this a lot. Each rock I lifted begetted more complexity and many more directions I could go with this. So I'm going to start with expectations of ourselves, then go into expectations of others and from others, and then I'll end with some tools and takeaways. So first, expectations of ourselves. And for simplicity, I'll use the tried and true metaphor, cycling. (laughs) I've been a professional mountain biker since 2006. I have thousands of data points to inform what I should expect of myself based on training and racing. But we all know that progress isn't linear. Some days when we experience cognitive fatigue, it changes our perception of effort or if we can even ride a technical section. If our brain is tired, we'll feel worse whenever we're trying to push ourselves from an aerobic standpoint. And sometimes our brain is too tired to make decisions on technical sections. So that's what I mean by cognitive fatigue. I've had injuries or sickness where I've had to take time off the bike. Uh, Pregnancy is another example of having to train a little bit less or a lot less than I was before. I've had strings of subpar results for many weeks in a row or training outcomes that were far less than what I was capable of in the past. When I repeatedly do not meet my own expectations, it makes me want to give up and I'm not having fun anymore. Yes, even after years of success and experience, I still feel like giving up at times. And that might come as a surprise. All of the high expectations I have for what a ride would be like or how I'd feel or perform in a race creates extra pressure. If I overthink about the outcomes or even catastrophize in the moment, if something isn't going well, my performance could decline as well. And it often does. All of the extra pressure can make riding my bike no fun. I'd even have anxiety before a ride even started. Well, what if I don't feel a certain way? What if I can't get my heart rate up? What if I can't ride that technical section again? What does it all mean? These expectations were coming from myself because I was comparing myself to past experience, which ironically, self-efficacy drives confidence from past experience. But if you start on this downward spiral, it can actually undermine your confidence. But what if you no longer can meet past expectations or compare yourself to your past because you're different now? This also happens as our life situation changes or can even happen with aging. I've had to shift my expectations after having children because my goals, my energy, and my time commitments had to change. I can't spend 12 hours a day working and I can't train as much as I want anymore. And that's by choice in a lot of ways. It's not bad, but I can't expect to be the type of mom that I want to be and train, travel, and race as much as I was before having kids. So how should I set my expectation? A frequent question I ask myself is what are appropriate expectations now that I have two small children and a lot less time to train and work and also holding the space of I have all of these goals and things that I want to achieve. Am I feeling upset because I'm comparing to what I was doing before and now I can't commit as much time and energy to it? How do you set new expectations that are motivating? Meeting or getting close to your expectations can create momentum and motivation if set appropriately. Another thing that I've said a lot whenever I get interviewed on other podcasts is that I've had to change the rate at which I expect to achieve things because I'm not working as many hours as I was before. And to be honest, the amount of hours I was working before was not sustainable and I burned out frequently. So what is the rate of achievement that I should expect? And does that rate of achievement even matter? There's a study that came out of the UK that actually said that lowering your expectations will make you happier. And if you do a quick Google search, you'll see that a lot lowering expectations can make you happier. The short of it is that lowering expectations increases the likelihood of exceeding your expectations so that you have a positive surprise instead of dealing with disappointment more often. 
But if you're always lowering your expectations, then you're going to be left unhappy. So there's definitely a gray area there. And you'll hear me talk in a minute about how it's important to set high expectations because it'll also help people perform better. So it's confusing because if you are setting low expectations because you want to be happy, but then you're setting low expectations and not being able to perform well, then there has to be some sort of zone of expectations that's the right place for both of these to play. Personally, I think mindset is the link between all of this. And I don't believe in setting the bar low. I do believe in setting the bar in a place that meets you where you are today. And you can start where you are and lightly hold on to expectations. If you don't meet your own expectations, you can approach it with self-compassion and a growth mindset. So here are a couple of takeaways from this section of how to manage expectations of yourself. Number one, start where you are and set expectations there. Don't focus on what you used to do or what you hope to do in the future. Start with where you are. Number two, expect that you can improve with effort and have patience. And the patience part is key. Number three, expect to screw up and for things to be hard sometimes. Number four, set just manageable challenges. From my ultimate guide to goal setting, the optimal amount is just 4% harder than last time. And that is from the data. That is not something I made up. So when it comes to your expectations, remember that the optimal amount is just 4% harder than last time. Next, your mindset impacts the expectations you set and how you cope when expectations are not met. So working on the tools to manage and accept disappointment and challenge and then how you reframe them after that to get better is super key. Your perception of what your expectations and actions mean is within your control. So think about that. Your perception of what your expectations and actions mean, the meaning you assign to these is within your control. But if you never think about that, you never try to figure out even how you're assigning meaning to your expectations, you're going to be on a runaway train. And last, develop a growth mindset. Our beliefs dictate our actions and efforts. So if you believe that with work and with patience and time, you can get better And that becomes the focus instead of an expectation of something happening at a certain speed or at a certain proficiency, then that can really help as well. All right, now I'm going to talk about expectations from others, expectations that people are putting on you. Expectations from others is a challenge because you can't control what someone else expects of you. This could be in a sports team or a work setting where someone wants you to do something by a certain time or perform a certain way. This can even extend to something like going on a group ride, as I mentioned before, or going on a run with someone. You feel like you're letting the whole team down if you don't accomplish what they need you to do. You feel like you're letting your partner down, or maybe you don't want to do things that your partner expects you to do. And this causes, again, a lot of extra pressure. Managing expectations is one bucket, and the pressure that comes from the expectations is a whole other bucket. This also goes for expectations of yourself. Some questions you can ask yourself. Are the expectations placed upon me realistic? Do they align with my values? Is meeting those expectations within my control? What and how do I communicate if the expectations are unreasonable or make me resentful? If you're interested in how expectations impact motivation and how different people meet expectations, make sure you listen to my previous podcast I recorded with Gretchen Rubin, which is linked in the show notes, and pick up her book, The Four Tendencies. This book is probably the book I recommend the most because it explains people, motivation, and expectations so well. That said, having positive expectations of somebody can actually increase their performance. The Pygmalion effect is a psychological phenomenon in which having high expectations of someone actually improves their performance. 
The story goes that Pygmalion was a Greek sculptor who created a statue, and he fell so deeply in love with this amazing statue that it came to life. The myth motivated a study by Rosenthal and Jacobson where they took students and teachers, and they told the teachers that certain students were intellectual bloomers, even though the students actually weren't. And with their unconscious bias and nonverbal actions, the teachers treated those students differently throughout the school year. And picking up on those nonverbal cues, the students outperform their peers. People act as we expect them to act, and our expectations can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. However, this effect does not take into account the happiness or satisfaction of the students, nor does it take into account the pressure that those students might have felt. I'd be interested to see how the Pygmalion effect impacts well-being and how leaders know where to set the bar for expectations to help people meet those higher expectations without having them too high. Another interesting theory is the expectancy theory, and it is a theory of motivation from psychology. Cognitive neuroscientist Dr. Marcel Kinsborn stated in a New York Times article that our expectations create brain patterns that can be just as real as those created by events in the real world. That translates into our neurons rewiring to fire as if the event actually took place. That also leads to physiological shifts, and this is super interesting. So some examples that you may be familiar with are the placebo effect. There's one called the nocebo effect. So an example of that is if you're told a drug has a list of side effects and you start feeling those side effects. And this was actually shown in a study where people were given a sugar pill or just a pill with nothing in it. And we're told that this, that the side effects could be a headache or nausea. And then they actually felt those side effects, even though there was nothing in the pill. Another example of this expectancy theory in real life is perception of athletic performance. There was a study where people were put on a treadmill and a few of them were told that they had special genetics for endurance and they ended up performing better even at the physiological level and through gas exchange in their lungs. This effect has even come up with people from Ellen Langer and her team and some of their research showing that people who had a positive mindset around aging actually lived an extra seven and a half years. And there's actually yet another example from Ellen Langer and Ali Crum with cleaning staff at hotels. And some of the staff was told that their cleaning work was similar to doing a cardio workout. And those cleaning staff members, they lost weight while the other individuals who did the same amount of cleaning, but without the expectation intervention did not lose weight. So the bottom line here is expectations can impact your body. They can impact your hormones and so much more. It's mind bending to think that our perception of an activity can define our reality. A quote that I like is, when we treat a man as he is, we make him worse than he is. When we treat him as if he already were what he could potentially be, we make him what he should be. And that's by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. So there's an example of why and how we shouldn't set low expectations, but those examples do not take into account happiness and well-being. They only take into account performance and how the body responds. Now let's talk about expectations of others expectations that we have of other people, of our friend, of our partner, of a person at work. And sometimes they can be too high and sometimes they can even be negative expectations. Negative expectations can create a narrow field of vision. And we start thinking things like, oh, so-and-so didn't do that thing again. And then you start looking for all the ways that they didn't meet your expectations. And then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and creates resentment. Perhaps you've never clearly communicated what your expectations are, and you just hope that that person will just figure it out. 
A good tool for communicating your needs and expectations with a consistent framework to follow comes from Marshall Rosenberg's Nonviolent Communication. And that's a book you can pick up. I also enjoyed Orrin J. Sofer's book, Say What You Mean. And we also recorded a podcast about nonviolent communication and how to do that with mindfulness. And that's linked up in the show notes. So the framework for nonviolent communication is stating your observation, how you feel about it, what you need, and then the concrete action that you would like to have happen. And I linked to a free worksheet in the show notes here that goes into detail. And just a quick note is I actually write all of this out before I record it. So whenever you go back to my website at sonyalooney.com slash podcast and you find the podcast, then you can skim through the essay and you can find links in the context of how we're talking about them here. A few other notes about nonviolent communication and expressing what your expectations are. Expressing or listening without blame or criticism is key. And it sounds simple, but understanding your needs and feelings and knowing how to articulate them requires emotional intelligence. It also requires actively listening what someone is telling you when they are discussing their expectations and reflecting back what they said to you to make sure that you heard it right. So expressing your expectations of others and having the flexibility and communication skills if those expectations aren't met is yet another essential skill. Another note is asking if your expectations of others are within your control. You can't control how someone else feels when you do something or don't do something. You might expect your action to be perceived in a certain way, but it might not go the way you hoped. Like say you got a friend a present and you were so excited you thought they were going to love it and then they didn't. Or maybe you even colored in this situation by saying, I got you this present, you're really going to love it. Then they open it and then they don't love it. So that is something that is not within your control. So now I'm going to talk about the pressure created from expectations. The pressure comes from the judgment and the meaning making around the expectations. And practicing mindfulness, having a little bit of self-awareness can be one of the tools in this toolbox. I wanted to talk about pressure and anxiety because they can lead us to choke And being too focused on expectations forces us out of a potential flow state. We start thinking about how we are doing, which is the judgment of our task, instead of what we are doing, which is the action of the task itself. If you want to go deeper into learning about choking and pressure, I highly recommend checking out Sean Bylock's TED Talk and her book, Choke, which is a phenomenal book. I've been trying to get her on the podcast for about a year and the schedules just haven't been linking up, but stay tuned. I'm not going to give up. If you're feeling like you're choking under pressure, I have a few different tips. And if you want more, I wrote a whole article and recorded a podcast about it, including some tips about choking under pressure with NBA Hall of Famer Reggie Miller. I also used to be Reggie's coach, so it was pretty fun to get a front row seat whenever he started cycling. So here are three tips on how to manage pressure. Number one, develop contextual awareness around your negative self-talk. When you're doing it, what circumstances cause it? And oftentimes it's your negative self-talk that can create more pressure. What is causing it? Number two, focus on execution, not outcome. And that goes back to the how you are doing versus what you are doing. Don't think about winning the game or the race. Think about what you'll do to perform your best. Don't think of the test result. Think of the work you put in to know your stuff. Don't think about getting the promotion. Think about communicating everything you've done well. You can catch my drift there. And number three, use positive visualization. For days or weeks leading up to your event, imagine what not only success looks like, but try to imagine how it'll feel when you are doing everything perfectly for your execution. Make it as real as possible, engaging all five senses. 
And you can even use negative visualization. How will you deal with potential hiccups? And if this gives you anxiety, don't spend too much time on the negative parts. Visualization is something that I talk about a lot in the Moxie and Grit Mindset Academy, which you can find at sonyalooney.com under how I can help. And positive visualization is also something that we use a lot in my coaching because there are some really great benefits and a lot of data behind it. Now, something that came up while I was doing this research and writing was the difference between goals and expectations, because at first glance, it seemed like they were the exact same thing, but really they are different. Your expectations are an appraisal of your actions and if the goal is successful or not. For example, say your goal is to avoid getting sick. That's a goal that many of us have. That's a goal that I talked about at the very start of the podcast when I was talking about Immune Health Plus with Prevenex. The processes associated with that goal are hand washing, healthy eating, getting enough sleep, and maybe taking some supplements, as I mentioned. But inevitably, you might still get sick. The goal was a process goal of taking the actions that you know of to stay healthy. You executed your process, but your expectations may have been unrealistic to think that if I do all of these actions, then I will never get sick. And then you get sick and then you're disappointed. You can think if I do X and X being your process or your goals, then I get Y and Y is your expectation. So if I do my goals or my process, then I will get my expectations. So that is the difference between the two. And there's also the expectation of how the process may feel. So you can think, well, this goal is going to be a lot of work and hard work feels bad. So you're assigning how this goal is going to feel. You're going to assign bad to hard work. And you can instead reframe it as, well, hard work is actually quite meaningful. You can also look at expectation of how those impact what the process will require. So I don't expect this podcast to take that long. I don't expect it to take a long time to write and research about expectations. And then it takes a really long time. And that is known as Hofstadter's Law, where something that you think will take a while will take a lot longer than originally planned. In sports, my goal is to do this race and all the preparation that it requires. My expectation is to feel good in the race or to have fun in the race. Goals require action and process. Expectations are an appraisal of the efficacy of the process or outcome and how something will feel. Your goal checks all the boxes to set you up for success, but your expectation is what judges it. Your process for your goal should be controllable. Your expectation of that goal may not be within your control. Okay, so hopefully that shed some light on the difference between goals and expectations and gave you something to think about. We've covered a lot today. We've talked about why we have expectations and the danger of setting expectations that are too low, but also the danger of setting expectations that are too high and how there can be a paradox between setting expectations to optimize for performance and setting expectations that optimize for happiness. We talked about expectations of ourselves, expectations of others and from others, how expectations can lead to pressure and how that pressure can be a problem. And I gave you some key takeaways on things you can do to help alleviate some of that pressure. And I'm going to give a few suggestions on what to do about expectations and some ways to shift your mindset and your approach to making expectations and taking them in stride. I have a lot here and I probably should have or could have recorded an entire podcast on the actionable items. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each one and I might come back and revisit this. So number one, have a zone of expectations. So 
don't have an absolute, if this happens and I'm going to feel this way, have a general range so that you can have a little bit of psychological flexibility and emotional flexibility around what happens if that expectation were or were not to happen. Define success for yourself. So a lot of times we don't even know what success would look like to ourselves. It's just based on something that we saw in passing. So if you can define success for yourself, you can measure against that definition instead of expectations from somebody else or something that you saw. Number three, and I already said this before, but making sure that you start where you are so that your expectations are in line with the effort and the time that you have to put into something or the amount of time that you have with somebody so that you aren't thinking about the best case scenario. And along this line, I like the idea of setting a minimum expectation instead of trying to compare yourself to your best ever. So that might mean that your expectation of yourself would be to an average day. So not your very best day, not your very worst day, but maybe the sum of the last 30 days, and that can be a good starting point. Another thing is to assess if your expectations or the expectations are intrinsic or extrinsic. Are they set by somebody else or are they set by you? It's also important to try to create expectations that are controllable because you can't control how somebody else is thinking, feeling, or acting. Having that zone of expectation and that flexibility can allow you to change your goal and thereby your expectations based on how you are that day. And that can be defined as, an, as a success. So if you are showing up to a workout and you're a little bit tired, again, don't compare yourself to the best you've ever been, but try to be flexible and change your goal instead of being rigid around it. Another thing I said was setting just manageable challenges. That way your expectations are in line. If you're doing something that's only a little bit harder, a little bit more challenging, that 4% mark, so that you aren't trying to do everything all at once and then you aren't disappointed whenever you can't do it. And last in this section of framework tools is to use self-talk to reframe your mindset and expectations. And again, this isn't about stuffing your emotions or pretending that something isn't happening but how you frame a situation and how you continue to judge and make sense of a situation can impact future expectations and your performance and also your happiness. Now here's some tools around the emotions of expectations. So number one, acknowledge your emotions. It's not about toxic positivity where you pretend that nothing bad is happening or that you aren't disappointed. It's acknowledging those emotions when expectations aren't met. It's revisiting your self-esteem and revisiting your values. Is your self-esteem hanging on if these expectations are being met or not? And what are these values and are they in alignment with those values? And instead of judging or setting expectations based on something nebulous, maybe you should be thinking about setting expectations based on what your values are. And expecting to suck at first whenever you're doing something and even to have lapses where you have setbacks and where you maybe you've been working towards something and improving, 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 and now all of a sudden you aren't improving. Expect that to happen because that is realistic and that can help you if you are thinking that everything's always going to be on an upward trajectory. And that's more along the lines of having realistic expectations. Another thing you can do is when expectations aren't met, Asking yourself, where can you find gratitude? Where can you find things that you are proud of or moments to savor? And gratitude is an antidote to whenever expectations aren't working and working for you or whenever you're feeling disappointed. And that's been shown in the research. Another thing you can do is use the disappointment of that expectation to tell you what you care about and what you value. Because sometimes we don't realize that anger or disappointment can actually give us really valuable and important information. Another thing is to expect things to be hard and challenging and expect to screw up because that's just normal. Another thing you can do is rate yourself on a scale of zero to 10. Can I achieve this? Is this something that I think I can do? And if you haven't 
rated yourself as a seven or higher, then maybe your expectations are not realistic. Embrace uncertainty. And as I mentioned, our brains are prediction machines trying to fix uncertainty. And sometimes we can set improper or unrealistic expectations just because we're trying to fix that feeling of uncertainty. So learning how to sit with uncertainty and to sit with discomfort, which is obviously easier said than done, but just something to consider can help you whenever you are creating expectations. Another thing is notice if you are setting low expectations out of fear of failure, fear of disappointment, fear of looking bad in front of other people, and address that with mindset. Another thing is acceptance of where you are. And that doesn't mean that you have to be complacent, but sometimes that acceptance piece can help you take the next step. So bottom line, expectations are tricky. I spent most of this podcast discussing where expectations come from and how to set reasonable expectations. The line between expectations, performance, motivation, and happiness will be different for everybody. And it might even be different for the same person under different contexts. I don't think there's a solid answer of set high expectations so you perform or set low expectations so you feel happy. But understanding your own relationship with expectations and working on your mindset around it can help. And there might be certain circumstances where it's better for you to set low expectations and other circumstances where it may be better for you to set high expectations. There are circumstances where lowering your expectations can make you happier and circumstances where lowering them is not beneficial. An example would be, I'm excited to line up for this race and for the fun and adventure that I'm going to have, but I also have to acknowledge that it may not go to plan. I'll quote a former podcast guest, Brett Biggert. He said, I try to put my gratitude first and my expectations second. I think that's a great place to wrap it up. If you are enjoying topics like these, you will enjoy my weekly or more lately, it's been bi-weekly newsletter that you can get at sonyalooney.com slash newsletter where I write a article or essay about a topic just like this on motivation, mindset, and well-being and how we can live our best life while holding performance and well-being in the same space. Join thousands of others in the, on the newsletter at sonyalooney.com newsletter. And again, if you are interested in working with me as a coach, I am accepting just a couple of people, but I have those spaces open right now and you can find that on my website, sonyalooney.com. There's a contact form and there's also more information about my coaching practice under how I can help. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show if you are finding value from it so that others can find value too and tell your friends about it. That is the best way to help the show grow and to help bring more people's attention to these great guests and some of these topics that I tackle on a monthly basis. That is, the show is weekly, but the solo episodes are monthly. Thank you so much for being here and for listening to this podcast. It means the world to me. And it's hard to believe that in just a couple of months, this podcast will be celebrating its six year anniversary. Six years, that seems like forever. (laughs) And as always, I'm with you on this journey of personal growth, adventure, and our mission to be better every day. And I'll see you right back here next week.